Worthy is the name of your son, Jesus Christ. His name is worthy because that's what we need the most. Jesus. The one who saves. That is a worthy name because we are in need of someone to save us. Popular culture tells us there's no one that's coming to save us. That we have to figure this thing out by ourselves. That we have to take control of our own lives. That the destiny that is before us must be done by us. But we've tried that. We've done the hustle. We've put in the hard work. We've struggled. We've studied. We've tried. And we failed. We've tried again. And we failed. And then there are those of us who come to you believing that maybe if we work harder at impressing you, something will change, something will work. But you are not the God of work. You are the God of rest. You did not make us to be human doings. You made us to be human beings. You say be still and know. Not work harder and become. You are the God of Sabbath. And it is in resting that we are restored. It is in our inability that you prove your ability. It is in our insufficiency that you prove to be more than sufficient. It is in our inability to produce, to perform, to impress, that you show up, that you step up, that you stand up. You are God and God alone. And today you declare that you can save us that you will come for us and that the God who started will finish. And so this is your moment, show up because you are worthy to be praised. We pray this in Jesus name, amen. afternoon. My name is Jose St. Fard. I've had the incredible opportunity uh, to be in ministry with Justin for the first five years of his ministry, of his pastoral ministry. We got a chance to hang out together and do incredible, crazy things in Chicago together, and it's such an honor to be a part of uh, this incredible celebration today. I knew this moment was coming one day. I told Justin that uh, and when we met at a restaurant. I had just um, been praying to God about sending me someone that can help me at a church that I was pastoring called Bolingbrook. 
And as I spent time praying and fasting, I didn't know who it was going to be. I didn't know where I was going to get it. God had given me this crazy dream and this crazy vision of creating a place where those who are looking for God can find him. We said it in this way. We use these words. We said we're creating spaces uh, for the people God misses the most. And we're trying to create this idea, this place where people can come to find God no matter where they are. And the further you were from God, the uh, more likely you would belong at our church. And I remember thinking about this and dreaming about this and praying about this. And, but I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to help me. I didn't know what was happening. And I had accepted uh, an opportunity to go speak at the academy that's in the area uh, for chapel, for worship. When I got there and I was preaching, um, I saw this young man playing the guitar alongside these uh, ac academy students. And uh, they were, you know, singing along, playing along, but he was leading them. And I remarked and I recognized two things immediately. Um, he was clearly talented. He was clearly gifted. He was clearly chosen. But here he was leading worship with students who still had to grow, who still had to understand, who didn't know exactly what part they were playing, but his giftedness covered them. And I saw him doing it with delight, which immediately showed me that he was one of the few musicians in the world that had humility. And I saw someone who was incredibly talented and exceptionally humble in ministry. And immediately I turned to my wife at the time and I said, babe, I found him. And she said, what are you talking about? I said, the person I've been looking for, it's right there. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I don't know what he's doing right now. I don't know how we're gonna do it but we've got to get this guy at our church. And I remember praying right there and then. I preached afterwards. I went up to him and I said, hey, can I get your number? You know, da, da, da. Um, we exchanged numbers. And it felt like, it felt like kind of like the dating, you know, you don't know how much, how much time you got to let go before you call the person, you know, after you get their number. You're kind of like, you know, is it too soon to text them now, you know? And so I went home, prayed about it for a while, and the next day, texted, tried to call. He was in the middle of a transition. He was in the middle of asking God what his next steps were. And we, we kind of kept missing each other, kept missing each other. Every time I tried to, to call him, didn't quite get back. And I was about to give up one day, and I remembered uh, there was a chapel teacher there who he was fond of, so I called the chapel teacher. And I said, hey, can you let this guy know I really need to talk to him? And um, that afternoon, I got a phone call. Now, what was happening is that what you need to understand is that I didn't have a job to offer Justin. I had no money to pay Justin. When I saw Justin... Um, there was no way I could hire him. I was in a one-district church. We didn't have the funds to bring on someone else. Uh, but I had been praying, 
All the while we were trying to catch each other, God was doing something amazing. God was creating the space and the place. And so by the time Justin finally called me, I had just convinced the board that we could turn our church secretary position um, into a pastoral sort of like position by making them do both. They could be the church secretary and the worship person. Now, everyone laughed at me and said, who in the world would do that? And I remember at the time, we didn't know exactly how it was going to work, but I started praying. And when Justin finally called me, I, we, were out, we went out to eat, and I started sharing my vision for church. And he, he was like, okay. And I remember saying to him, now, this is the crazy thing. All I can offer you is a church secretary position. But what I'm looking for is a worship pastor. And he was like, and I was waiting for him to laugh at me. And he looked at me and said, okay, well, let me pray about it. And I remember when I brought back to the board Justin's name, they looked at me and said, he's willing to do this? I said, I know, I know, I know. I have no clue how, but, but this is God. But I remember saying to Justin these words, Justin, you're coming in as the church secretary, but you will leave here as the worship pastor. Today, it is an incredible honor to be standing on this stage and witnessing God ordaining Justin as the worship pastor. Could you give God a round of applause, please? What I want to do is talk to you a little bit for just a few minutes about crazy dreams. Crazy dreams. Has anyone ever had a crazy dream? Not one of those nightmare dreams when you can't sleep, you wake up and you try to figure this out. No, not one of those. I'm talking about the kind of crazy dreams that won't let you go to sleep. The kind of crazy dreams where you keep thinking about this thing that God has placed within you and you're still trying to figure it out. How are you going to get there? What's going to happen? Or perhaps it's just this crazy notion that something big is meant to happen in my life. Or perhaps this crazy idea that God has chosen you to do something something incredible and you, you don't know how. I want to talk to that person today. I also want to talk to the person, and this would, this would make a lot of sense to a lot of people right now, who think God has no crazy dreams for them. Who think that perhaps I'm just a regular person doing my life and the best thing I can do is survive. I want you to believe greater about yourself. I want you to believe that God has an incredible, crazy dream for your life. But here's the thing I want you to be convinced of. No matter how crazy your dream is, I want you to know it's too small. Because God's dream for your life is bigger than what you can dream for yourself. God's dream for your life is greater than what you can imagine for yourself. 
And in fact, while most of us are looking for God in the, the, the incredible big moments of life, God often shows up in the small moments of life. God is a God of small beginnings. Most of us, when we have these crazy dreams, we're looking at doing crazy, amazing things right away. You know, one day I'm going to do this. So I, the best thing for me to do is to take this step and that step and this step, and it'll get me there. And here's the reality. The way God accomplishes his dreams look drastically different than the way you've imagined it. Look at God. In my heart, I said, Lord, send me water. Father. <laughs> Look at God. He's, isn't he such a great God? What you, can under, what you must understand is that God does not operate the way you operate. You and I take steps to get to where we're looking for, to get to where we're trying to get uh, the right way, the strategic way, the, the normal way. We go to college, we study the right thing, we get the right job, we do these things. These are the things we've been told. Get insurance, life insurance, and all of that. Get the apartment. This We, we believe that if we take these steps, we're going to get there. The reality is God never operates the way everyone else operates. God's systems and strategy is to do the very thing you never thought could be done. He uses the ways that everyone else ignores. Because while it looks small, it is the path of least resistance. God operates in ways that you and I cannot put together. We can't think of the ways think God does. If you were to leave here and you're going uh, to lunch or you're talking to someone um, after church and say, well, what was your takeaway today? What was your, what was your uh, message that you wanted to, 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 that you received today? I want you to have a clear view of that. Um, I don't want you to just go around saying, well, I heard the message and it was good. Or it was nice. I liked his energy. I want you to be clear about what you received today. Yeah, yeah, the title is Crazy Dreams. But here's the takeaway. God will use the, the seemingly insignificant to do the unimaginable. God will use the seemingly insignificant to do the unimaginable. God will use the thing that doesn't look important to lead you to the thing that is most important. God will use the small things to do the big things he's promised you. God always starts small. Israel today is a known nation around the world. There is not one place in the world that the name Israel isn't recognized. There is not one country that doesn't know Israel. I could name some countries you've never heard of, but I can promise you if I say Israel, no matter where you are in the world, everyone knows Israel. Yet Israel was the smallest country, the smallest city-state in the Middle East. It started off with a group of 12 families that no one knew about. God starts small. 
God starts small. God is the God of small beginnings. In Zechariah, here's what God says. Here's what the prophet says about God. Zechariah 4 verse 10, listen to what he says. Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Do not despise these small beginnings. Um, There are many people who would say if they were offered a church secretary role and told somehow that they would move from church secretary to worship pastor, that they would look at you and go, absolutely not. In fact, I had offered the same role to three different people. I had offered that role to people who had graduated, who were ready to go into pastoral ministry. One of them said to me, I I have to be called pastor. I I worked hard for this. I cannot accept this role without being called pastor. I said, well, right now you can't be called pastor. You're the church secretary, but that's where we're going. I I promise you we're going to get there. And they said, absolutely not. They went on. They got hired. They they worked into ministry, and they are no longer in pastoral ministry ministry today. Sometimes we want to get to the stage without taking the steps. But there's no way to get to where God is bringing you without starting small. And most of us want to get there so fast that we ignore the small steps. But it's the small steps that get us to the stage. Anyone in ministry today, anyone in leadership today can tell you where they started. How it started. I was talking to a business coach and I was talking to them about an idea I had and I was talking to them about getting on social media and he said, you know, why don't you just start? I said, well, you know, I've got to get the the, the mic, the right mic, the video. I've got to get this software and I need a videographer. I got this team. I got, and and, and then he said, dude, just start. And and I said, "Well, well, 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 what kind of mic do you use? He said, don't worry about the mic that I use. I've been doing this for 15 years. Start with the mic that's on your phone. I said, but it's not that, it's not the best mic. What about the water camera? Just start with the one on your phone. And I said, nah, man, you use this really cool camera. How how can I get that camera? And he goes, no, 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 no. You're going to get stuck trying to use a tool you have no clue how to use. Just start. I don't know who this message is for today but I need you to start. Just start. That business idea you've been thinking about, just start. So many of us hide behind prayer for things God has called us to do. Anyone out there? You know in your heart God's called you to do this thing. You know that God has given you over and over again the same message. Go and do it. But here you are talking about every time someone says, hey, have you you started? Have you done this? You know, I'm praying about it. I'm praying about it. And what are you praying for? Just want to make sure that, that this is the right place for me. This is the, I want clarity of vision. Where are you lacking clarity? Um, you know, I just don't know. If, no, 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 no. You are afraid. 
stop using prayer as dream insurance. Moses tried to do that to God. God had told Moses to go and cross the Red Sea, that he would use that moment, watch this, that he would use that moment to ensure that the people after him would lose him. God told them that he's going to trap Moses, he's going to trap them in, in, in a place where the, the, army of Israel, the army of Egypt will be behind them, the ocean will be in front of them, and it would look like they're stuck. But he's going to use that very moment so that the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Exodus 14. God told him, warned him. He gets to the place, he, he sees the army behind him, the ocean's in front of him, everyone starts yelling at him and screaming, oh, 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 look what you've done. <laughs> Hello? Sometimes we are not only crippled by our inner voice, but we become crippled by the outer voices. The people around us that are telling us, why would you do this? Why would you accept this role? Why would you start there? How can, don't, aren't you better than that? This and that. All the voices. I mean, the voices that were talking to Moses would have driven anyone crazy. Here's what they're saying. These are former slaves that have just been rescued out of the hands of a nation that was driving them to complete a decimation. Complete eradication, and yet here are their complaints to Moses. Why would you bring us out here to die? The spices and food in Egypt was way better. Really? That's what you're talking about? God has brought you out of slavery, and you're complaining about the onion? It's crazy. But you and I do it all the time. We pray to God, God, all I want is this job. You get the job. And then you go, you know, at my last job. Hello? We're always thinking about what it was like. And God wants you to imagine what it's going to be like. God does things Differently, He starts small so that you can understand, watch this, how to behave when you get big. Because if God started with us on the stage, we wouldn't know how to operate with those who aren't on the stage. We wouldn't know how to connect with those who are not on the stage. But the reason why, watch this, Anyone who's on the stage, anyone who's on the stage has taken the, ne the necessary steps to get there. Because I can promise you, if you don't take the necessary steps to get on this stage, you won't stay here long. Anyone who gets here have suffered, have stumbled, have struggled. Today is a beautiful moment. It is a grand celebration in Justin's life. It is incredible. God has finally done it. He has proven to everyone that what he had in mind will be accomplished. That now everyone is recognized. You have conference officials here. You've got people celebrating. You've got this incredible building. Everyone is recognizing what was in God's mind before 
the world began. This is mind-blowing. I don't know if you read your Bibles, but my Bible says that God had good works prepared for us in advance. That he thought of us before the world began. Mind-blowing. So God is finally proving it. And he's putting it out on display. But if you were to sit with me after and talk to me about some of the struggles and some of the suffering that Justin and I experienced before Justin got here, and to tell you about the times where it felt like it's better to do away with the God dream, God, keep your dream. If this is how much suffering is involved, if this is how much struggle is involved, the amount of times that, that, that Justin has dealt with people who said, you're not called, you're not meant to do this, you're not going to be anything, you're not, everyone that gets on this stage experiences the same thing, you're not special. Anyone who is called by God is called not to greatness, but to the cross. And it is in carrying our cross that we get the crown. That's why God says, start small. He's the God of small beginnings. Why? Because he loves that the work begins. You hear that? God goes, I'm okay with just the beginning. I'm okay with you just getting started. I'm okay with you accepting the, the thing that looks insignificant. I'm okay with that. Why? Because every single one of us has a bread and cheese assignment. I know in your mind, you're like, what, what, what's a bread and cheese assignment? My Jamaican brothers and sisters would call it a bread and cheese assignment. A bread and cheese assignment is the thing that God calls you to, to see how obedient you are to his voice. It looks small, it feels small, and it looks like it's not a big deal, but it is the pivotal thing that gets you to your destiny. And if you ignore it, you will miss out on the big thing God has for your life. I remember my bun and cheese assignment. It was very, uh, very simple, really. I had been called. I lived about an hour away, and I had been called to preach at a church that was about an hour. And uh, when I got there, there were nine people in this building that could hold at least 700 people in it. And they were asking me to preach. And I remember preaching there the first time. And I said, well, thank you. It was a nice, nice opportunity. I left that day, and, and they, they gave me a thank you card. And I had driven an hour away, so I thought, okay, perhaps at least there's a little bit of gas money in here. I got home, opened up the thank you card, because, you know, we all read the cards that they give us. Right? And, you know, and I, and I looked at it, and I, it was thank you for speaking. I said, okay. And, and then there was nothing else in there. I said, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. And then they called me the next week and said, we love, we love your message. Do you mind coming again? And I said, okay. 
I prayed about it, and God told me to go. So I went. I preached. They said, thank you, Pastor. I left. The third week, they called me, and they said, would you like to speak again? And I'm over here. Oh, this is my own 45-hour drive. Okay, let, let me go. And prayed about it. God told me to go. I went. Now, the thing is, it's nine people. Maybe the next week was 10 people or 11. But every week I went, I preached like there were 500 people in the room. I was excited about being there because God had given me the opportunity to preach. That third week when I went, it just so happened that there was someone in the room. Some of you might have heard of him, some of you might not. There was two people in the room. Uh, a guy by the name of Terry Johnson, who now works for Adventist Health. And at the time, this, this gentleman worked for the General Conference. His name was Jose Rojas. They were both in the room that day. And after I preached, Jose Rojas tapped my shoulder and said, you have been faithful in small things. God is about to be faithful with you in bigger things. Now, had I said no, I wouldn't have even that prophetic call and voice over my life. Had I said no, I wouldn't even have had the opportunity to speak and for him to hear me. But because I said yes, a few months later, Terry Johnson was there, and they were about to start something at that church. It was this incredible project they were putting together. And Terry Johnson comes up to me and says, hey, would you like to be a church pastor? I'm like, well, that's the whole reason why I went to school. Absolutely. And I remember getting a phone call a month later, and I was offered that same church to become their pastor. Within a year of being there, we had taken those people, and we had grew the church to about 200 people. And it just so happens that the person that was at the conference that had called me received a president call, a call to be the president of the Illinois conference the next year. And he gave me the opportunity to become the pastor of the Bowling Church, where I got the chance to meet Justin. Here's why I call it a bread and cheese assignment. The reason why is in 1 Samuel 17, verse 17. Listen to it. We're not going to read the whole thing. But listen to this. It says, Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the, to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking, someone say, as he was talking, as he was talking with them, Goliath, 
The Philistine champion from Gath stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will accept his family from taxes in Israel. Woo, Lord, give that gift to me. <laughs> David asked the man standing there, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David would have not been king had he said no to his father and asked, why are you asking me to go get bread and cheese to my brothers? Why would you tell me to leave my sheep and leave my job and leave my role to go take care of brothers who obviously don't even like me? Why would you tell me to do that when just a few months ago, the prophet was here in this very house and the prophet anointed me as king? He rejected my brothers. Why are you making me serve people that were not chosen? Why are you telling me to do something that doesn't look like where God is leading me? Because in order to get to where God is leading you, you must start small. In order to get to where God is calling you, you must do the thing that looks insignificant because it is in those insignificant things that God brings about his bigness, his greatness, his goodness. It is in the small things that God shows up. Had David said no, he would not have made it. Now, the band is here, so it's set. The stage is ready. Here's what's happening. Emotionally, you're feeling all sorts of things. You're thinking, you're listening, you're hearing, your brain is ready for that aha moment, for that next step. And here it is. Watch this. Some of us were willing to listen to God. We're willing to do the small thing. But what we do is we drag our feet. We don't do it right away. We pray about it. When God told Moses, here's what I'm going to do, and the, the, the Israelites started crying out and complaining, Moses cried out to God. Moses started praying. And this is the only place in the Bible God told the man, stop praying. Moses said, God, help me. God said, why are you praying? Why are you crying out? Did I not tell you? Did I not already say this to you? Go. Some of you need to hear this. Delayed obedience is disobedience. If you take time to do what God told you to do, you will miss out on what's yours. Listen to what the Bible says. It says David got up when? Early in the morning. If David had not gotten up early in the morning, he would have missed Goliath. Had he dragged his feet, he would have missed his moment. Had he not responded immediately, he would not have become king. You would not have heard of a David. You would have never met Goliath. There would be no story about David and Goliath. But because he woke up 
early in the morning. He set out. He got up. He obeyed what his father told him. He took on his bread and cheese assignment. Because of that, he got there in time to hear what Goliath did every day. Stop dragging your feet. Start today. Listen to what God is calling you to do. Why? Because whenever God tells you to do something, I can promise you he will finish it. Justin Alabada today is standing here because the God who starts small always finishes the job big. The God who starts small always finishes big. When Justin and I had gotten to Bolingbrook, there were about 40 or 60 people there. There were barely people that knew how to play the guitar. I remember Justin would start, he didn't know how to move from a traditional to contemporary. Actually, I should say he knew how to do it. I didn't know how to do it. I wanted him on stage. But do you know what Justin did when he first got to church? He knew the folks at Bolingbrook at the time wouldn't accept the guitar and the drums and all of that. So Justin got on the front row of the, of the church. He got in the front pew, set up his bass, and all he did from the front pew, everybody had their little piano and singing the hymns, and just in the front pew would go, and people, you could hear, they're singing. Blessed Every week, Justin just got in the front row. He didn't do anything. He didn't call anybody. He didn't say, we're going to change this. No, no, He just got there and started changing, started building relationships. But he did it from the pew. Before he ever got on the stage, he started. What are you waiting for? Just start. No, they won't accept you. No, they won't like you. No, it's not going to be easy. But start wherever you are. Just start. Because today, Justin is being ordained as the worship pastor in this very building. This don't look small to me. This looks like the dream we had dreamed about. And here he is living it. Here's the promise, Philippians. Look what he says, 1 verse 6. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will do what? Continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. God will do it. But he won't do it the way you want him to do it. He'll do it in a way that doesn't look like it's going to get done. Some of you are living in the midst of your prayers and you don't realize it. You've been asking God for the perfect wife or this incredible husband or the best job. And what you don't understand is that you're in a job that's giving you problems. You're in this space where no one recognizes who you are. And you're going, God, why am I stuck here? You're in the very place he wants you to be because he's forming your character. He's shaping you. You're going, God, why can't I find someone? Why is it every relationship ends like this? You're learning what it means to be a husband. The Bible says, watch this. This is for the ladies the bible says he who findeth a wife finds a good thing 
Do you know what it's, you hear what it says? It doesn't say he who finds a woman. It says he who finds a wife. That means before you become someone's wife, you have to know what it means to be a wife. Before you become someone's husband, you have to know what it means to be a husband. They don't find a man, they find a husband. And perhaps you're going from relationship to relationship or you're struggling with the dating. You're struggling with what's going on. You're going, why am I going? You're learning. Take the learning lessons. You're where you need to be. Start small. Finally, look at Jesus. Philippians 2 verse 6 to 11. Though he was God. Oof. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He was there. He, he, he was God. He, he, didn't, he didn't have to leave it, but he, he thought, I'm never going to get them to embrace me. I'm never going to get them to understand who I am if I stay here. Though he was God, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. I don't think you understand the depths of that. God, the Almighty, gave up his divine privileges and became one like us. I don't think you understand the depth of salvation that has been offered to you. I don't think you've grasped what God has done. His proclamation from Genesis is that man would become like God. But you couldn't do it. We fell short of his glory. And so he said, my dream is that you and I are the same thing. If you can't become like me, I'll become like you. So though he was God, he became human. He wanted to reconcile you. He wanted you and I to be the same. He wanted God and you to be friends. And so he said, look, look, I'm trying to bring you to my holiness. I'm trying to draw you into relationship with me. But, 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 but you keep thinking, watch this. You keep thinking your mess keeps you from me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to join you in the mess. Oh, y'all not ready. Y'all thought because the conference was here, I was going to behave? Listen, listen, listen. You guys are not ready. God, God, watch he did. God took on a criminal's death. The Bible says, he who had no sin became sin. Isaiah says he was counted amongst the transgressors. The way God united man and God is not by making man holy. It is not by bringing man up to the stage. It's by God getting off the stage. God became sin so that you and I can become the righteousness of God. He joins you in your mess. He doesn't just sympathize with you. He empathizes with you. 
he became a criminal. Therefore, God, Philippians 2, verse 6 to 11, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He became like one of us so that you can become like him. I don't know who I'm speaking to today. Today, Justin is about to be ordained. That is, he's going to be set apart. That is, we're going to recognize as human beings that God had done this before the world began and we're going to pray over him. But before we do that, I want to pray over you. I want to pray over someone today who's been struggling to start. Perhaps it's an endeavor. Perhaps it's a relationship. Perhaps, I don't know what it is, but I'm asking you to go and start. But I also know there's someone in here who's been saying for a long time, I'm going to give Jesus my life. I'm going to stop trying to do this thing on my own. I'm just going to surrender to God. And, and you've been saying this for a long time, but you said, I'm not good enough. I, I, I'm still struggling with this. I don't know how to get this done. I don't know what this is. And, I don't know what... and here, here, here I am telling you, you don't have to be perfect because he already met you in your imperfection. You don't have to worry about how it's going to happen because he will finish the job. You don't have to wonder if you're still going to struggle because he's already decided to struggle alongside you. You just have to start. So there's two things I want you to do today. today. If, one, if you're one of those people who've been wanting to start their relationship with God, I want to say a prayer with you. And then there's going to be a QR code. Actually, no. There's going to be a next steps that you can do to get connected with the pastors here to get that relationship started. And you could text the word connect to 94,000, 94,000, text the word connect, and you can connect with someone about how you can get your relationship started. Here's why. Here's the reason why I think this is important. Because every person in this room has been given a God dream. Some of you know it, some of you don't. But your dream only gets activated when you accept the Jesus who has the dream for you. And so I want to make sure every person that walks out of here can connect with this Jesus who met them where they were. Here's the prayer. You can pray alongside me as I'm praying. I'm going to pray and I'm going to give you space for you to pray as well. You can say the same words that I'm saying. You can say similar words. But this is for you. You can text the word connect to 94,000 and then you can say this prayer with me. Perhaps you've already given your life to Jesus. This is a perfect day to rededicate your life to this man. Here it is. I'm going to pray. You can pray alongside me. You simply say in your heart, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Today, 
I surrender my life to you. I give up my way, my plan, and my process. And I want to surrender to your way of doing things. Please become Lord in my life. I receive you as my Savior. And keep my name written in the book of life. Amen. If you said that prayer, perhaps for the first time, I encourage you to text that number again, connect to 94,000. If today was maybe your fifth or sixth or hundredth time that you said that prayer, I want you to know that the God who started with you will finish.